and a journey through all the other worlds. Okay. <coughs> that was a good lead into mine. <laughs> journey into the other worlds. I know I heard it, and I'm saying, no, that one's gems, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> well, something that came for me both in meditation earlier this morning and while we were meditating again and in his talk was memories of my experiences on the inner journey and my awakening and my learning about how the journey of the soul really does take place. And when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I was given a lot of inner instruction about the soul, about its journey, about the pathway of the soul, uh, about the lessons that it comes here to, to experience and how God truly allows us to have the experience that we create. And that all the time that we are living those creations, God is ever present with us, ever waiting for that moment that we turn to God rather than to the world or to the mind or to the body self. We turn to God and then allow God to begin to free us of our creations so that we begin to move in a different direction. One of the experiences I had that really came very clear both in meditation this morning and then while Brian was talking is one evening when I had gone to sleep, a teacher came and we all went off and began to come to a greater understanding about the soul's journey and how God will allow us to have just the experience that we want to have. God will offer us the opportunity of loving and joy and peace and grace and freedom and liberation. But we have to go along with God's offer. And if we choose otherwise, God will offer but then allow us to live our creation as we see fit to have it. So we went off and I had not had many of the experiences what we were going to be doing that night. So we went off and, and sat for a while, and he explained to me what we were going to be doing is we're going to be going now and visiting souls that have just left their body. They've died, and they're ready to go higher, and we're going to go and assist them in their journey to go higher. And I thought, oh, this will be fun. Little did I know. <clears throat> but the, some of it was fun. So off we went, and he said, now we're going to go to a lot of different places. Don't try to figure out where we are. Don't try to figure out anything. Don't get your mind engaged. Just listen. Just be present. Just be aware of the movement of the Holy Spirit. Just stay focused in your loving and be as caring and loving in the situation as you can be. And don't get caught up in their words or their process or those around them. And so off we went. And we went to this uh, person's home. And it was a woman. And uh, it was her time to leave the physical body permanently and, and to continue her journey. And we came in through like a window in the dining room, I remember, and came on and walked on down the hall to this bedroom. And she and two other ladies and a man were with her. 
and uh, she was getting close to taking her last breath, and he said, oh, see, we're here just right on time. And uh, so he walked over, and I was kind of standing beside him, kind of behind him. And um, uh, he looked, and he said, oh, she's already left. We're going to have to go find her. And I went, what? (laughs) You know, he said, yeah, she's already left. She's not here. And I'm going, but... There she is. You know, there's her body. I was, I was focused on her body being there. So I figured she had to be there. He said, you know, let's go. Let's go. And I, I kind of looked back and I, you know, the people are still there and she's still breathing and, and the body's still in her process of dying. And he says, come on, she's not here. Let's go. And so he came over and he took my hand and off we went back out the dining room window and up. And we went searching for her. And all of a sudden I realized he was following the last breath. And it was at the last breath that she'll leave the physical body. <clears throat> and since she had left the physical form to start her journey early, uh, we were following that last breath that was with her to release her from the body. And so we're following, following, following this last breath. And we go up and up and up. And he says, oh, she's going in a good direction. And all of a sudden it went down. And we came down, and it was a place where she worked years, years, years ago. She was like in her 80s or 90s now. And so we went down, and we went to this, this office. And he went, oh, okay, so we're going to have her work cut out for us tonight. And so we went into this office, and she's sitting, or there's this woman. I didn't know it was her for sure at first. There's this woman sitting there, uh, looks rather elderly, and she's sitting there typing, typing, typing. And he, we walk in, and she, she looks up and says, can I help you? And he said, well, yes, you can help us. We're looking for, and he said the name, and she said, oh, well, that's me. What did you need? And she was in her work mode. And uh, he said, well, we came here to give some advice and to assist in a little bit, but we also want to hear uh, about what's going on with you. And she said, oh, well, not a lot's going on with me right now. I've been busy. I've got my files to do. And she started talking about her work. And she was very caught up in that. And uh, he turned to me and he said, I want you just to go over and sit in the corner. I don't want her to be aware of you at all. And so I went over and I kind of went over to the corner and sat in a chair. And he kept on talking and he kept asking her about her job and her work and how did she enjoy it. And all that time that she had been retired, inside, all she ever wanted to do was go and be at work. But they forced her to retire, apparently. And in her mind, that's all she wanted to do. That was how she related uh, herself in the world, and that's what she believed to be her, her best part of her life. So as she was dying, she was going to go back and live that once again. So we were talking for a while, and she started getting a little younger and just a little bit younger. And I was kind of like amazed watching her getting more youthful. And um, and then all of a sudden she looked like she was maybe, maybe in her late 30s or early 40s. And, uh, and when, when she turned to that age, all of a sudden everything got real bright in the room and I realized the difference. And... He turned to me and he said, her soul's now fully present here. She's taken the last breath. Did you notice that? 
And I said, yes. And the, the lady heard him say that, and she's going, who, who are you talking to, me? <laughs> and he said, no, 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 I was, I was just relating something to myself. And um, so he kept on talking for a while, and finally she said, so what, what, am, what am I supposed to do for you? You keep asking me all these personal questions. You said I was supposed to do something for you. And he said, well, there is something you could do for me, and that is, could you consider going somewhere with me to let me show you something? And she says, well, I've got to work. I'll get fired if I leave. He says, I'll tell you what. I'll go in and I'll, I'll put in a good word for you. And, and I'm sure they'll let me take you where I want you to go to see something that I think is very important for you to see. And she said, if, if he'll give you permission, I'll go. So he popped in this door, and a few minutes later he came back out. And out, out of the door came okay, and said the name, you can go with him right now. Uh, and and, and uh, so she got up and got her purse, and off we left. And we, we had to walk because we couldn't fly because it would give her an indication that something was odd. And we... <laughs> well, but it works that way. So we're walking, walking, and it seems like we're just going real slow, and I'm thinking, God, we're never going to get wherever he's taking her. <laughs> but as we're walking down this walkway uh, along the street, everything I see is just going shoo, 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 like that. But to her, when I looked at her, everything slowed down, and we were just kind of on a, on a walk down the street. And all of a sudden, we came to this doorway, and he opened it, and we walked in, and he said that we went into this beautiful place. I mean, it was just, it was a store that was absolutely beautiful. And we walked back down this corridor between all this stuff and walked back and there was this room and it opened up and it was this beautiful field in this room. And, and at the back of the field was this house. And as we walked up towards it, she kind of stopped and she looked and she wouldn't go with us for a minute. And then she came up with us, and we went on in further, and she started crying. And she said, oh, my God, where are we? What, what kind of a store is this? And he said, well, I just wanted you to see something that you've also wanted all your life. I know you wanted to be back in the office. I know you've missed working and everything. And she said, what do you mean missed? I've been there. I'm, I've been working all, all my life. What are you talking about? He says, well, let me show you something. What else have you longed for? What else have you really envisioned and wanted? And she said, well, I've always wanted to have a, a, a farmhouse. I've wanted to have fields that I could grow vegetables in and, and just live a quiet life and invite friends over when I want to, but have a quiet life. And he said, well, come, let me show you something. And we walked into the house, and he showed her around, and he said, now, you can have this house today. I'll give it to you. And you can live here in this place. And she said, I don't want to live at a store. <laughs> and he says, I'll tell you what. If you take this house that I'm going to give to you as a gift, I'll promise it will not be in a store, but it will be in the beautiful rolling hills of Tennessee. And you are going to be very pleased with where you go. And... She said, what do you mean where I go? And he said, or you can have the office. 
And all of a sudden she realized that this place was the place that she had always envisioned that she would go to when she died, that this would be heaven, that God would give her this reward. And she looked at him and she said, what do you mean where, where I will go? And he said, what do you think I'm talking about? And she said, am I dead? Did I die and nobody told me? And he says, well, I'm here to tell you that now. But I give you a choice. You can go back to the office and live whatever that time is that you've imagined for yourself, or you can be here. And she said, can we go back to the office for a minute? And we were instantly there. We didn't have to walk back. (laughs) That kind of like proved it to her. She looked around, and she went around the doorway to see her boss, but there was no, I don't think there was anybody there I didn't see in. And she looked back at, at the teacher, and she said, I'll take it. And she said, he said, take what, the office or the home? She said, I'll take my reward. And it's not what I want, I want what God wants for me. He said, oh, that's the best answer you could have given me. Then you're going to get neither one of those you're going to get something better. And so we went back to the house, and he let her walk around and see it and go out and walk on the fields where she would have her vegetables. And then she came back and she said, okay, what does God have in store for me then? If it's not this, what is it? And we just started flying up, 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 very high through the physical realm, through the astral realm and into the causal. It was so funny because when we were going through the astral realm, we actually lifted up right through what is called the heaven worlds. It's in the astral, the top part of the astral. And we, got, we were going up, and she looked around, and she said, well, well, well that looks good. <laughs> and he said, no, honey, you got someplace higher to go. And she said, why did you call me honey? And he said, I'll tell you when we get where we're going. And we went up, 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 up. And we ended up in the causal region, very high up in the causal, and went to this place that was really honey-colored. Everything was just beautiful, golden. And when we stopped there, it was a little village. And there were people that were coming to greet her and they knew her name and they called her Honey. And in her mind, that's how she related to God. When she would say a prayer to God, she'd say, okay, Honey's here. That wasn't her name physically, but that was her way of acknowledging her sweetness, her sweet attitude that many people didn't acknowledge or allow her to live in. But she lived it with God. So she looked around and she said, so this is my reward? And he said, you will find as you move on these streets and with these people, this is your reward. Because here's your joy. And here's your opportunity to go higher and higher if you allow yourself to live in the joy that's here. 
And this man came and grabbed her hand and said, Come on, honey, we're going to go have a good old time. And off they went. And she kept looking back at the teacher like, Do I do this? Do I do this? And he just kind of went like this to keep on going. So off we went from there. And we went to another place. And we went into this hospital. And we walked down this corridor into the hospital room. And there was nobody there but the man laying in the bed. And as we walked in, I looked around. And all of a sudden I realized that there was a a man sitting on the headboard of the bed. And I thought, boy, that's strange. I mean, why would anybody sit on the headboard over somebody who's dying on their bed? And my teacher said, come on, think about it. (laughs) So I knew he was doing what I was thinking. And I went, oh, oh, that's the soul. It's left the body, but it's still above the bed. And so he had already died, but he didn't know where to go. So he was just sitting there waiting to find out if somebody would come and tell him where to go or what to do because he had no idea what to do. So the teacher came in and walked in and the the man looked at him and says, well, it's about time. (laughs) And the teacher said, yep, it's about time. And now I'm going to take you to the timeless. And he took his hand and we just flew. No, nothing was said. We just flew. The man expected this, this somebody to come in and take him somewhere or to tell him what to do next. And we flew and flew and flew and flew. And I kept thinking, where are we going to go that's timeless? I mean, this is the realms of time and space. Where are we going to go? And we went up and up, and all of a sudden I realized we were going to go up above the physical realms and up into that which is timeless, which is the realms of soul and spirit. And we flew up and up, and we went up to the second level of the soul realm. And we stood there, and we looked around. And the man said, yes, yes, this is what I want. This is it. This is the place. And the teacher said to the man, remember, I showed this to you last time. I showed this place to you the last time you left the physical body. And the man said, the last time? I only died once. And they said, no, you've had many lifetimes before this one. And the last life before this one, I brought you here then. It was yours to have, but you let go of it. And you went back into the world to pursue all those things that you thought were still so important. You had not detached yourself from the world, and those attachments brought you back. Do you remember? And the man said, well, I know my attachments, and I still got them. And the teacher said, remember it this time. This is your place. This is where you can go if you'll just attach. He said, this time, not like the last, but this next life, you will have an opportunity once again to receive that which will liberate your soul. And you can be here forevermore if you choose it. But you have to do the work of detachment. And the man said, well, how do I let go of all this stuff? I have my wife. I have my kids. I have my my work. I have my life. And I, 
I get all involved in it. And he said, don't get so involved. Enjoy it all, but don't be so involved in it that it's everything to you. And this time we're going to give you the opportunity to get something more important. You had it before in another life, but you didn't honor it. Honor it this time. And he said, okay, look around one more time. And then he took his hand and down and down and down we went. And I thought, where are we going to take him to then? We came down through the mind, through the causal, through the astral. I went, ooh, boy. He's going into the darkness of the astral. I, did, I, I thought, ooh, you know, why is he going here? And all of a sudden we went back into the physical body and we went right back into the hospital where his body was. And I thought, well, we're going to go back for whatever reason, to his, his hospital room. But instead, we went to this operating room, and, and just like that, I heard a baby cry, and his soul was in the baby. And my teacher said, now, wasn't that interesting? <laughs> and I'm kind of going, oh, my God. <laughs> And that, that, I'll tell you what, that anchored inside of me, I'm not going to have any attachments. I'm going to do my best not to have any attachments. <laughs> I didn't want to go on that journey myself and come back into another body right away. I mean, he went out of his body, but I don't know how long, but right back into another body in the same hospital, in the same city. You know, that was amazing. <laughs> so then we went off. And for the last part of the, the lesson that night, we went to with another man. And we went in, and we walked in, and he was still in his body. And there was uh, a priest, a Catholic priest there, giving him the last rites. And there was his family, quite a big family around him. And they were praying and crying and, and everything that goes on with, with somebody's dying and people don't know exactly what death is all about and they do the physical process. <clears throat> so the last breath came and everybody got quiet and then started crying and, and doing whatever they were doing and nothing seemed to happen. And so the teacher walked over and he touched the man on the shoulder and the man said, not yet, not yet. And the teacher said, what are you waiting for? And he says, I'm waiting for God to come and take me. <laughs> and he thought the guy was from the funeral home and was going to take his body. <laughs> I found out later, he thought he was, you know, there to collect the body. And he was trying to sell him, not yet, not yet, don't move me, you know. And uh, the teacher says, no, I am from God and I'm here to take you where you're to go. <clears throat> so... The man sat up and he looked around and saw the people there and he says, I don't want to stay here. I'm tired of these people. <laughs> please, please just get me out of here. And the teacher said, well, then take my hand and let's go. And so we went up to the next floor and we stopped right there in an empty room. And the teacher said, we're not going to go anywhere right now because you don't believe you're worthy of God's grace, do you? And he said, well, why do you ask that? And he said, I know that. You don't believe you're worthy of God's grace, do you? And he said, well, 
I got the last rites. I did my last confession. I, I should be free to go now to wherever God wants to take me to paradise. And the man said, no, but you don't believe it. You don't believe you're worthy, do you? And he says, well, I'm worthy because I took the last rites. And the man said, it has nothing to do with last rites. That's a physical, mental creation of man trying to find God and a solution to their salvation. I need to know that you know you are worthy of where you're going. And he said, no, I'm not worthy. I lived an awful life, and I'm not worthy to go anywhere but to hell. And the man said, well, then, the, the teacher said, well, then, let's go. And the man said, no, 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 don't take me to hell. And the man said, well, let's go where you feel you're worthy of. Come on. And the man started getting really upset, and the teacher took his hand, and we were in hell. We were at the, low, not the lowest level of the astral, but we were in hell. And the man looked around, and he, he said, well, this is it. This is, <laughs> he said, this is what I knew I was going to go to. This is it. And the teacher said, yep, this is it. This is what you imagined hell to be, right? And the man said, yeah, I knew this was where I was going to go. And I lived my whole life knowing this is where I was going to go, but I did all those things any, anyway. So, okay, I'll stay here and I'll suffer what I created. And God said, yeah. I mean, the teacher said, but what, what about what I just said a minute ago? I said, this is what you've imagined it to be, right? And the man said, yeah, it's, it's exactly the way I imagined it. And the teacher said, and this is the level that you imagined. This is what you imagined you deserved, and this is your creation. Do you want to live your creation, or do you want to go where God wants you to go? And the man sat down and said, I'll live my creation, thank you. He said, this is what I deserve, and I deserve nothing better. And the man said, the teacher said, this is your creation then, and you can live it. You created it with your imagination, you empowered it with your emotions, and you solidified it with your mind. And it's real, as far as you're concerned. This is all real, though it's just imagination. And you can live your reality until you can allow yourself to step free of it. And he said, know this. And he called forward a teacher. And he said, this person will be here with you every moment of this existence in this level. He will be here with you. And the moment you are ready to go, you call on him, and he will appear, and he will take you higher. And the man said, well, where will he be? And the teacher said, you will not see him, you will not hear him, you will not know of him. He is going to withdraw from your consciousness now, as I will, and you will be in your creation, you will be in your hell. You will be in your reward that you feel you deserve. But the moment, the moment you truly call out to God in loving, in forgiveness, in acceptance, in whatever it is you do, 
And you truly do it with the right clarity of intention, the teacher will appear and you will be free. But you are not going to even remember any of this. You are now going to wake up in your hell. And then I didn't realize we had disappeared to his mind, but all of a sudden he was just there and he was looking around and all of a sudden there were all these other souls oh, just walking around doing their misery, doing their pain, doing their suffering, doing their actions. And he got up and he just started joining them and walked away living it. And the teacher said, well, we're done here. And off we went. I said, are we really going to leave him here? And the teacher said, we're not leaving him here. God's right with him. Look, look, wherever he goes, God's right with him and that teacher. We're not leaving him here. He's not alone. And then the teacher said, really look around, Jim. You're focused on everybody's pain. Really look around. And I looked, and with every soul was a teacher walking with them. The Holy Spirit was walking with everyone, just waiting for the day that they cried out for help from God or that they acknowledged something higher than this or asked for forgiveness or whatever it was. And he said, do you think God would ever abandon anyone to their own creation? Remember, God is what is here walking around. That is the soul in separation, living in separation. And God is just waiting for that divine aspect of itself to wake up into the divine knowing of itself to come home. It'll happen. God's very patient. But we also allow, and he was talking from the teacher standpoint, we also allow all the souls to live their creation out to the fullest that they feel they have to live. But he said, remember this, every soul is already free. It's just the belief in the mind, the emotion, and the imagination that anchors it into the physical creation. And so off we went, and he brought me back home and back into my bed. And that was the beginning of my experiences of learning about these other realms, about death, about that journey beyond the body, and what happens with souls as they begin to wake up to the journey inside in a different way. So, why do I share that with you? Partly because of what Brian was sharing. Brian shared today a lot of tools, a lot of keys by which to live our life so that we truly live to the highest, to the highest quality, the highest aspect, the highest possibilities for us, which is liberation, which is joy, which is peace. Even while we're in the physical body, and definitely when we leave the physical body for the last time, to go higher. It's for us to do the work, that inner work. And the work truly takes place inside and then is lived outward into the world, into all of the outer realms. But it begins inside. 
through that action of loving, accepting, and forgiving. You know, I know a lot of people have listened to those three words said over and over and go, go, oh my God, here we go again. Loving, accepting, forgiving. It doesn't work. I've tried it, I've tried it, I've tried it. Well, I can guarantee you it does work. It will liberate the soul. It will free you even right now in the physical form from those things that burden you, that weigh you down, that block the pathway. But it is doing it over and over. And maybe the wording that we have shared, loving, accepting, and forgiving, isn't the wording that you need to have it work for you. So find out what it is. Maybe it's not loving. Maybe it's another word. But it's the same action. Maybe it's not accepting. But it's another word. But the same action. And maybe it's not forgiveness. But another word. But the same action. Experiment inside and find what works for you. Take the tools that we share and apply them and then play with them and find what works. If it isn't forgiveness, then what is it that allows you to step free of your judgments of self and of others? What is it that helps you to free yourself of your own creations? If it isn't the word acceptance of yourself as you are just now and of others just as they are right now, what is it? And if it isn't loving, what is it? I'll give you a little key here. If loving, accepting, and forgiving doesn't work, then look inside and just look up and love the Lord. And know that in loving the Lord, all of that will automatically take place. And that, I know, is the truest shortcut on life's journey, the life of the soul. And these tools that we lay out for you to use, they are also a part of God's gift to you to assist you in freeing yourself very quickly so that you can live in the divine loving all the time. And know it. It's ever right there. Now you may slip out of it a little bit as you get caught up in the world, but it's ever right there and you know right where to choose back into it. And it's that simple. But you start where you are. If you are in hell, if you are in purgatory, if you are in limbo, Wherever you are, you start right where you are and you take the next step and you take the next step and you look for that pathway that will begin to go upward out of where you are to a higher place and you continue that pathway. Chanting the name of God, loving the Lord, loving, accepting and forgiving, being responsible for your thoughts and your feelings, inside and out in the world and being responsible for your actions and your reactions inside and out in the world, those are the tools. 
I wish we could make it more complicated. It might be easier for you. Well, that's how we work at this level. We want a list of 12 things we have to do, of 25 rules we have to live by, and 100 things we can't do. And then we think, oh, okay, well, now I can do this. Now that's simple. But when something is given simple to us, we go, oh, that's too easy. Or I bet that doesn't work. It's just there's not enough there. That's all the mind. The mind will take what we give to you in simplicity and begin to add to it. Well, Let's see, how many people do we have to forgive? Well, I don't want to forgive Uncle Harry, so forget that. We're not going to do forgiveness then. So how about accepting? Okay, well, let's see, how, who all do I have to accept? Well, accept myself as I am right now? Forget that. I hate myself as I am right now. So then let's do loving. Well, there's nobody to love. If I can't accept myself as I am and I can't forgive Uncle Harry, then forget the loving. So now what do I do? And maybe it doesn't sound quite like that, but it is that game that the mind plays. Do it, do it, do it. No matter how hard loving is, no matter how accepting or forgiving, how hard it is to do, do it anyway. Just say it. Just as I've often said, when you are sitting in meditation and you're looking up and you're just telling the Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. It isn't about feeling it emotionally, physically. It's about a statement of being. And you begin to create a state of being, of loving the Lord. And eventually, you will find that to be living in you and through you. And all of a sudden, it's real, not just words. And so it is in loving, accepting, and forgiving. At first... It is just a bunch of words, if not a bunch of crap. (laughs) Well, I've had people tell me that. But if you will do it over and over and over, just daily do a few moments of loving and accepting and forgiving of yourself, loving, accepting, and forgiving of God, loving, accepting, and forgiving of others, loving and accepting and forgiving of the situations in your life, that you've created, that others have put upon you, just do it. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to like them. You don't have to like the situation. You don't have to like yourself. But do it anyway. There will be a day when all of a sudden something will move, something will shake, and things will drop away. Why? Why are they dropping away? Because all of a sudden you have allowed yourself to break free of the bonds of the illusion that you have created for yourself, a belief system about another person, a belief system about yourself, a belief system about what you are worthy of. And you will rise above it. And then you do loving and acceptance and forgiveness there and you break free and rise above it. But you do it, you do it, you say it, you say it, you do it, you do it until it's done. Isn't that the name of the game in anything? You do it until it's done. And if you don't, guess what? It never gets done. 
And then you live with this weight inside of you, conscious or unconscious of, well, one day I'll get it done. I hope it gets done by somebody. And then we sit around waiting for somebody else to do it for us because we don't want to do it. Do the work. Do it yourself. You are your salvation. Nobody else is your savior. You are your salvation. By doing the work, you save yourself. By doing the work, you connect yourself back into that river of loving, which is the Holy Spirit, which is a sound current. And that light and sound carries you up. But you have to do the work to connect yourself back to that. And the work that you have to do is let go of the illusion and take hold of the true. You have to let go of the illusion. All the things that you have believed in and attached to and wanted and desired and needed and and have had and don't want to let go of, you have to let go of all that illusion and take hold of the true. You are your salvation. As they say, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, the spiritual teacher can give you all these tools to liberate your soul, but we can't liberate your soul for you. You have to apply the tools. You have to drink that water yourself. So if you're lazy, if you believe you're lazy, if you're only doing a minute of meditation a day, and there are people that do that, that's good. You're doing something. A minute a day will transform everything. Now, a minute a day will take longer to transform something than an hour a day. But it will transform something because you're inviting God in. So if you just chant the name of God or the hue or the anti-hue one minute a day and do loving, acceptance, and forgiveness one minute a day and just pay attention to your thoughts and feelings one minute a day and for one minute a day be responsible for your actions and your reactions you will begin to transform your life. And you'll see it. You'll know it. You'll feel it. And then you'll want to do a little bit more and a little bit more. But you have to put something into action. So if you're lazy, that's fine. But do something towards your own liberation. Because yes, maybe you're lazy. Okay, that's fine. Be lazy and enjoy it and have fun. But realize that in being lazy, you're doing something. There's an action taking place even in being lazy. Now, the laziness may be an action or it may be a reaction. So just observe the laziness. And in that observation, it will reveal itself to you and you'll see the great power that lies within that, and you'll begin to apply it differently. Just observe your laziness. Live it fully. Allow it. Do nothing. I dare you. No matter how lazy you are, you're going to get up off the couch, get out of bed, and go eat. (laughs) 
So you're not that lazy. You may even have to go prepare the food to eat it. You're going to get up and go get a drink of water or something to drink. You're going to get up and eliminate and go to the bathroom. Well, maybe not. <laughs> and for those that don't, enjoy. <laughs> but there are going to be those things that move you, that get you up. That's great. That's where you begin through observation. Well, what is it that moves me? What is it that makes me get up and move out of my laziness? My boss? The need for money? My little girl or my little boy who wants to go out and play? Good. Observe it all. Find out what moves you. And those are the keys to your liberation. Those things can begin to stir you out of your laziness and into action. And most of the time, laziness is a reaction out of the state of action into reaction, and we stagnate in reaction. So all we have to do is find that action again. Uh-oh, we're right back in the conversation. Be responsible for your actions and your reactions. That's you being your own savior, being responsible for yourself, for your creations, and transforming them, changing them, letting go of them so that you stand free. I wish it was so simple, like that man who had just received the last rites, who had done his confession and received the last rites, and people were praying the rosary for his salvation of the soul. And he kept turning to the teacher saying, well, I just received the last rites and I had my, communion, uh, my confession. So let's go. And the teacher said, no, that's not it. That didn't do it. I wish it was so simple that you could receive the last rites, you could receive a communion, you could do confession, you could confess a name of some teacher and be free and go to heaven and go to paradise and go to God. But that's the mind and its desire and will at play and not the truth of the Spirit. You as soul are the creator of your heaven or hell, and it is you, the soul, that is the liberator of yourself through your thoughts, through your feelings, through your imagination, through your body actions, through it all. But most and more, most important is through the action of your soul, just loving God. I love you, Lord. I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm here to be in loving with you, and I'm here to receive your loving. Let your soul speak its truth, to wake up to its divine nature and live that, and you will see change. And yeah, you may walk through hell to get to heaven, but it's your hell. You created it. So walk through it, skip through it, jump through it, laugh through it, dance through it. And it'll transform. If you hold the belief that hell is hell, then you give it a reality that it doesn't deserve because it's not real. 
It's not real. It's only as real as you allow it to be. Offer God your hell and say, Lord, here, I created this. Can you believe this? Look at this. Could you just put a little light in it? Could you just come into it now, please? Or could you just pick it up and change it and transform it for me so it's different? Or could you show me how to to begin to transform it inside myself? Just ask and you shall receive. So ask. Ask God in. Invite God into every part of your existence. Your heavens and your hells. Your worthiness and your unworthiness. Your meditation and your non-meditation. Invite God into it all. Well, I'm not meditating today, God. I invite you into me not meditating. Guess what? God will come in into that state of being and be right there with you and walk with you. God takes every invitation to heart and lives it fully with you. But you have to invite him into everything. Even those places where you hold as secret, as dark, as you don't want anybody, anything to know. It's funny. When I was a a kid, I walked around uh, school one day and I saw this uh, lady that worked in the office. And she had this, like it was almost like a drape uh, of black that was hanging over her like this. And I thought, ooh, I thought she was going to die. It was just hanging over her like this. And um, I I couldn't figure out what that was at first. And I thought at first she was going to die. And I I remember talking to the teachers inside and, and asking them what that meant. And they said, oh, she's hiding from God. She did something in her life and she doesn't want God to know about it. So she's created this, this veil inside of her own mind that allows her to continue doing what she's doing, thinking that God doesn't know what's going on. But the teacher said, come, let me show you something. And I, I lifted up, even within my body while I was doing schoolwork, I lifted up out of my body, multidimensionally, if you will, and was above the veil and looking down, and it was just like cheesecloth. And you could see right through it. And you could see her down at her desk working and everything. And, and he said, see, this is what she doesn't know. God can see everything. But God allows you to believe the illusion. When she looked up in her side of herself, oh, it was a thick, thick drape. There's no way God could see through this, so now I can do what I do down here, and I'm okay. God doesn't know. It's a secret. So be aware. God knows everything. So invite God in. Take those drapes, those veils, those things you're trying to create a hiding place, just take all that down and allow God into everything and life will be different. All right. So thanks. Went over a little bit today. (laughs) That was fun. Thank you very much. Well, we'll see you all next Sunday.